Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by Michael Newman, elite OCR racer, psychologist, and all-around awesome person. I was really excited to get Michael on here to share his story with you, not only because it's an amazing story, but because there's so much into his story about the journey of life that I think we can all take some good lessons from. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find his story highly valuable and inspirational. So let's tune in. Michael, thank you for joining me today. How are you? I am fantastic. How are you doing? I'm doing amazing. Thank you. I'm excited to get you on here. We connected fairly recently, just over Instagram, started having a conversation and what you do, um, your beliefs intrigue me, what you do, like how you follow them when it comes to racing intrigue me, plus what you do with the kids and with your different, um, work things is really cool. So I was excited to get you on here to really kind of discuss who you are and what you do with all of that. So give us the rundown. Who are you? Yes. So the run, the rundown is, uh, I am an Orthodox Jew who, uh, wears my yarmulke, you know, well, the, I guess people call it skull cap, yarmulke, keeper, whatever you like to call it. <laughs> and, um, you know, that's, uh, so, so I keep, you know, Sabbath, you know, Sabbath, Saturday, Sabbath, and, you know, I keep kosher dietary restrictions and such like that. And however, because of that, you know, I've always wanted to be an athlete when I was a kid. And so, uh, because all the leagues are on Saturday, you know, that, uh, you, I could never progress in a sport and then fast forward to my adult life where I get the wonderful opportunity first to obviously compete in fine Spartan racing and OCR, but then to compete on the ultimate, um, OCR platform, which was million dollar mile on LeBron James's show on CBS, where I was able to beat the amazing VJ Jones uh, the, the speedster, the, 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 you know, machine. I, I don't think I've ever seen anyone run as fast as him <laughs> and the ferocity he had, but, um, it was quite, uh, an experience for me because I never had the experience, but also for a lot of people to see a Jew in a yarmulke it kind of broke down. You shocked a lot of people for me to be able to perform like that. I won 25,000 versus VJ and, uh, he gave me great props at the end. And so from there, the journey, uh, went from when, you know, I realized I can inspire a lot of people, Jews and not. And so uh, I started a foundation called jifoundation.org, where I take kids with physical challenges, partner with another organization. Uh, and we're taking them through a Spartan race, October 18th in Boca Raton. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. But what's amazing about that is because uh, it really changes their lives, the, the people who are assisting them. I'm pairing them with, obviously, uh, people know what they're doing, but also people who've never run a Spartan race before. So not only are they helping the kids get through the race, those kids are helping them. It's a fantastic program. And then as well as I do, I try to educate and empower and a motivational speaker. And I just try to embody a lot of values I've, I've learned from others and elders of mine, people who've you know helped me in my life to try to impact as many people as I can. And so that's the mission. I'm a Orthodox pro athlete, psychologist, what else? I have a podcast on, uh, you know, a show, a series called Jews in Sports. And uh, that's it. Yeah. 
that's the rundown. <laughs> that's without, the rundown. Without, without going really, you know, that was the controlled rundown. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> without taking, you know, the whole podcast just to run down. <laughs> <laughs> Let's dive into what you do for your work. Because I know you, I think that's what really intrigues me is you pair up the counseling side of things with movement and being a movement specialist, I know how much movement can impact our thoughts and the way we think, the way we process. And so I'd love you to talk about your side of things and how you view it and um, why such a technique works for you. It's a, it's a great question because movement, uh, it, 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 to, to, to fall on the concept of healthy lifestyles, right? In a sense of people who exercise, constantly and there's a little bit of a disparity there's a little bit of a difference if you talk to somebody whose whole life is about athletics they seem to be i'm not saying they are behind the curtain happy at least upbeat they feel good a lot you know there's a purpose they're driven there's a state of mind and i'm always as a psychologist very intrigued of state the state of mind if you have the right mindset right another word for state of mind, the right mindset, you're going to be able to navigate things great. Mamba mindset, right? You know, Kobe, right? You, that he doesn't have that while he's just playing. He has preset that with values that will let him react instantly during the, the, the fold of a game. When I was running versus VJ Jones halfway through the building, the last obstacle to get out to make money, I you know, was running up and uh, climbing up and halfway through the, halfway through the uh, obstacle, I looked down and I saw him there and I'm a Jew. I've, you know, never competed in real championships, never had that experience and the pressure. And I looked down, I saw him there and I was like, oh my God, it's over. I said to myself, it's time to give up. You know, uh, he's going to, you know, he's going to win. That's it. You know, statistically he should beat you. He chews guys like you up for breakfast. You know, he's, OCR world champion and this guy, you know, it's over. And I had the thought of putting my hands down. About two seconds later, the instinct, the instinctive reaction to pull myself together can't, you know, fold it. So that's what a state of mind is. And I work very hard. I've combined meditation, spirituality, and OCR mindset, which is obviously seeing an obstacle as an opportunity and not a failure. So all three of those things came together for me and I realized oh my gosh, you know, a mindset will, you have to get someone in a mindset to be able to uh, be successful in the unpredictability of our life, our daily life. So the therapy that I do is basically just, just utilizing the state of mind in sports. When we exercise, even when we do movements, you know, they don't have to be full on sports. But once you start you know, using your muscles and getting your blood flow, you start to fire certain neurons. And as we know, the very commonly with dopamine, there's a lot more chemicals that fire and that put you in the right mindset. So you don't really have to work that hard to get in that. It's basically an empowerment mindset. In certain circumstances, you can actually create a natural antidepressant. So it's, it's, you put yourself in that mindset easily. And so in therapy, I just sat there and I was like, why are we dealing, you can attack an issue or figure out an issue from an empowerment state of mind is going to be way more beneficial than feeling weak in attacking that same issue. 
So if it's a bully talking with a teen and he's being bullied, you know, to talk about the bully from a weak state of mind, thinking that you should be bullied, right? You can have a couple of curls, whatever you want, or just get on a little mini bike slowly. Simple things doesn't have to be so extreme where all of a sudden he feels powerful and strong. And now he can talk from the bully from a state of mind that says, no, I am, I'm, 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 I'm not a victim. I'm stronger than the bully. And now he can start to figure out or she figure out how to uh, navigate that situation. So that's, that's what I, I really love to do. And I combine that, I have many different techniques of different things, but that's the, the short end of it. And I really find it beneficial for people to do that for themselves if they're feeling bad if they're feeling low, whatever it is, you can do it yourself, 10 push-ups, and then be patient, take a deep breath and say, now, how am I feeling? And then you can reset. It's basically like a reset of, of your brain, of how you're thinking. That's really cool. And I never really thought about it using it as that aspect, but it makes a lot of sense on how just you get that reset. Um, just thinking through myself, like, I tend to get real like business ideas or ideas exactly. to clients when I'm working out. Like I will be in the middle of a hard workout at the gym and be like, oh, I should do this exercise with so-and-so. And, and so it's, it's, it's something that it's just, you, you mentioned meditation and I think exercise just brings that meditative state without even people realizing it. And then it allows us to get that subconscious part of our brain um, more active. A hundred percent. It's actually, it's a, it's a good point, right? Meditation is just basically breaking the narrative of what your brain is telling you, right? There's a voice in your head that's speaking to you. That's saying certain things that aren't true and not there. And you can switch your state of mind how, whenever you want. I mean, the great example that I have is, you know, if you're having a really horrible day and it's just really bad day, you know, and you get the call that you won the lottery, doesn't even have to be a hundred million dollars. It could be a million dollars. It can be a hundred dollars really, you know, but a million dollars will definitely get you, you know, you'll, I thought you were sad a second ago. Your brain was telling you everything's horrible and life is really tough and really bad. And then all of a sudden, boom, you get this good news and you're happy. But I thought you were sad a second ago. So that's really what meditation is, is a sense of Breaking down, by the way, also the rest of the day, someone can scream at you and tell you that you're the worst person on the planet and you'll just wave and smile, right? I got a, I got a million bucks, I, you can't bring me down. And so that is very much working out where you get to stop the constant narrative, usually negative and stressful, sometimes not if you can switch it, but that constant narrative, the, the working out actually tells you that way that's not true. All these things that I'm thinking is not true. That's, that's, that's also very prevalent in, in psychology is to try to break that. For example, you and I are sitting here talking and all we're doing is we're talking about hopefully inspiring and helping people. That's all that's happening. But how the mind works is all of a sudden I could be sitting here going, oh my gosh, if maybe I'm talking too much, maybe I'm not talking enough, maybe I'm too hyper, maybe I'm not too, oh my, and if, and if this doesn't go well, then I'll never get on another podcast again. And if I never get on a podcast again, I'll never be able to help other people. And if I can't help other people, I'll never be happy. Whoa, all that's happening is that we're talking. That's it. But you and, and studies have actually shown that with that thinking, right, the, the pressure, you have actually just released 
neurons and emotions that mimic failure or whatever you're thinking of. So for this instance, it would be failure or not being happy. You actually experience that when it hasn't happened. You haven't experienced it just because you thought about it. It brings you to that actual state. So what we have to work on and, and, and exercise is a great um, catalyst is to stop your brain from getting to the fact that, oh my God, I'm not going to be happy uh, when, I'm, when, when I'm just talking to you and that obviously seems ridiculous, but I could believe it. And I could actually feel that this podcast is, you know, that's why people get nervous. This is it. Oh my gosh, I just ruined my whole life when obviously that's not true, but I believe it and I'm actually feeling emotions based off of that thought. It's, it's mind-blowing. It's a lot, there's a lot to take there. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm back. No, no worries. Um, I mean, you and I know a narrative is, and I think both of us have done a lot of work on ourselves to kind of figure out what narratives we tend to tell ourselves have broken some of those, probably some of them we haven't still, but for people who haven't really done that inner work and don't really understand like where their narratives are. Um, because when at the time you just think it's the truth, it's, you know, it's it's always been you. So you don't realize it's necessarily a narrative or a story. Like how do we start recognizing these as stories rather than truths about ourselves. It's a very good point, right? It's, it, it, it is a story. I think that's a wonderful way to put it. You know, a narrative, I mean, is the essence of a story. And we tell ourselves stories all the time that aren't real. They're fictional stories. It, you know, there's really no answer. I think the, I think why hitting rock bottom is so appealing, not in that we'd never want you to hit rock bottom, but why it works is because you decide that you don't want to live that way anymore. No one's telling you. It's just too painful. And then you just say, you know, I don't want to live this way anymore. It's a simple point as that. I actually do say a lot of times, if you're heading down that road, why don't you stop? If you're going to get there eventually, why wouldn't you just, if you know you're going there to rock bottom, why not stop now? Because the truth is you have to feel it. You have to experience it. You have to be there. And so... There's no answer to say, this is how you do it. You have to be the one who says, I really don't like living life this way. I would like to be a different type of person. I would like to think differently. The truth is, it's changing your brainwaves, right? We know from studies that meditation changes, you know, the neurons and the brave waves in your head. You can, they can see it in brain scans. So you, there's no, there's no um, schedule or technique to get someone to start thinking that way the truth is obviously there's many different techniques to get there it doesn't have to be meditation it could just be the fact of helping others it could be you know uh, um one breath a day could start changing your mindset you know there's a whole bunch of different things that you know you and i don't do one certain thing we don't just meditate we do a lot of different things to constantly keep the awareness to be better and to have other things, you know, listening to classical music lowers your blood pressure by 30%. That's one little aspect that you'll do to make sure that everything is ticking well in wellness. So my approach in therapy is very eclectic. It's very based off of you because you're the one who has the power. There is no right way to do anything, but I would say how I, the answer is honestly though, um, it's on you to gather the information. 
I would say that. I would say, how would someone start thinking of that that way? I would say, go start, you know, looking for the information. Uh, today, it's so easy. Podcasts, articles, books, people. You know, I always say, honestly, if you want to change your life, go sit in a, nur- go sit in a nursing home. Not right now because of COVID, <laughs> but... <laughs> But I, I say that all the time. You want, you want to change your life? Go sit in a nursing home and listen to people's narratives who've done it all, you know? So that's, that's, that's the answer. If you want to start a, a life of wellness, you have to go search what works for you. So gather that information. I like that answer because it is, like you said, there's no one way to do it. And it's usually a multiple, a number of ways to get there. Yeah. You mentioned in that response also of it may just be taking a deep breath and there's so much science behind breath work and using your breath to relax your body, calm your body, recenter yourself, all of this, all of that stuff. Um, When it comes to breath work, like how do you utilize breath work either for yourself um, or for your clients to, to kind of get that reset? It's a good question. And I think the biggest challenge is the stigma of it, honestly, which is so funny. It's just breathing, <laughs> you know, three seconds in four, five, you know, whatever, I, I, three seconds in five seconds, hold, you know, seven second out breath. That's it. It's just simple, deep breath where you just, you know, calm down. <laughs> but, but the stigma is, is, is so bad. Uh, where, you know, it took me, I mean, we're talking about, I, I, I find myself to be open-minded. I try to see both viewpoints, but it took me two years of, you know, in school, in college, on my education to be a therapist, psychologist. Um, it took me two years of before and after every class of 10 minute meditations until I finally understood it. Didn't even start really meditating. I sit there, yeah, with my eyes, you know, whatever, I meditate, whatever. It, it, it was just, you know, it's because it's so weird and so whatever and like that. So it's, it's really, you have to find the benefit in it and tell yourself that it's really a normal thing. And that's how I try to explain it. And I don't force it on people because it is, because unfortunately when we force it on people, when we force things on people, we say, oh, you have to med- you have to breathe, you have to breathe. But there is this stigma. It is weird. It's like people find it to be voodoo and not really true and whatnot, whatever, because it takes a long time to develop it into your practice. And if mm-hmm. things are hard to do, you're most likely not going to do it because we want it easy. And so, and so I try to, I try to do it very slowly. Um, I, I, I do try to do it during a workout or I'll have them on like the little mini Stairmaster and then I'll tell them to try to take a breath you know, just one at a time so that way they can see it. My favorite thing, which really does hit home, is holding your breath for as long as you can because it's pretty cool because when you have someone hold their breath for as long as they can, they, they start to panic. And there's no reason to panic. It's so interesting because you're not going to die. It's impossible to suffocate yourself by holding your breath. <laughs> well, it is. You can't do it. I mean, no one, no one quote me on it, <laughs> but from the information that I have, right, it's, it's not, it's not really possible. And so here you are though, panicking your body, feeling crazy when you can let it out whenever you want while you're panicking. And so that really shows people that 
you know, breathing does allow you to chill and calm your mind and tell you that you're safe. That's a really good point. I never really thought about that, but, but yeah, <laughs> you do get that panic mode and it, it is so true. <laughs> and that's, and, and it's a parable for literally our entire life. Yeah. Because we run again with the narrative, the narrative in my brain, I'm holding my breath. Oh my God, I'm going to die. You know, oh my God, I can't breathe. You know, when, when it's not true. And so it's another good example of, you know, stop the voice that's saying that you, this is a panicked situation. This is now good. And yes, come back to the moment, but a little bit more than that to kind of feel the moment and, 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 and not react to the natural state of freaking out. <laughs> I even tell people to mimic when you're holding your breath for that long period of time to mimic um, the breathing, whatever breathing pattern you are, whether it's chest or stomach, to, you know, don't breathe, but just mimic your stomach going in and out or, or in your head, you know, think of taking a deep breath in and all of a sudden you're calm because your body just told you that you took a breath when you didn't, but that's how powerful your brain is. That's really cool. Yeah. Or a cool technique, I should say. <laughs> now let's take a quick break to talk about Equip Foods. Equip Foods is a supplement line, but what I really love about them is... Their products are made with 100% real food products. There's no fillers, there's no chemicals, there's nothing artificial in it. So everything that you are putting into your body when you consume their products is good for you. And they don't just have the normal protein and pre-workout type supplements. They also have products for decreasing inflammation, for joint health, for circulation, for all sorts of things that just help you be an overall healthier person. So go check out everything Equip Foods has to offer at equip, E-Q-U-I-P, foods.com. And at checkout, if you use code F-I-X-15, that is F-I-X-1-5, you can save 15% on your order. You can also get a link to Equip Foods and all my other partners at getyourfixpt.com slash partners. And now let's get back to our conversation. Let's kind of switch gears a little bit. I want you to talk about the organization you have with the kids and pairing those up with, um, with adult racers and just kind of dive into that. Cause it's, how did you get, I guess, first of all, how did you get the idea or get involved in, in doing that? So the story is to, that all this started, and this is why I believe it's so important, this program that we can learn from each other, is I went to uh, a camp for, you know, it's a Jewish camp called uh, Camp Simcha from High Lifeline, and they take kids with cancer or physical challenges, and they gave them this amazing camp experience. It's a wonderful way for them to break out of the constant hospital visits that they go through and they can anyway so I wanted we went after the show I went around and so they said uh, I was speaking around and so they said can we do something I said yeah let's do a mini race for these kids and so we built real obstacles Spartan obstacles and the first one was a hay bale you know the hay bale the five seven foot hay bale taken the first kid was this eight-year-old you know he was blind and I take him and I grab his hand and we run up to the hay bale and I pick him up halfway, you know, real Joe DeSena, 
you know, feel, and, you know, don't, don't, you know, give in to, you know, let the kid earn it, let, you know, you got to do the work, you know, so halfway he grabbed the top, pulled himself on top of the hay bale, and then I just saw him burst into a smile that I can't really explain, and I've tried to, and I'm not going to, but it moved me to a core, and I could just say it was somebody who smiled when he had every excuse to be miserable and sad, and he's more happier than I am, I realized, (laughs) and so that challenged me. I said, unfortunately, I said, I want to know what he feels like. And I blindfolded myself for that upcoming Spartan race, which was in West Point, the mountain West Point race. And to give you a comparison, I ran it 48 minutes in the morning. And then the second lap actually with um, Nelson Diaz, who does team believe uh, an organization that takes, you know, adults with physical challenges through Spartan races and extreme sports. He and I did it together and it was a horrible experience. <laughs> and it taught me so much about life. I mean, he, he did say, by the way, that it's the closest thing you can get to a death race. Because you're, you know, like two and a half hours in, we, I don't know him, I was gone. I lost track of time. I lost track of space, my own thoughts. I mean, the only comparison is it's like living in a dream. And you're just like, holy mackerel, get me out of this, you know? And thank goodness I am so grateful I can take the blindfold off and there's kids that, you know, and people that can't. And to fight over that feeling of stuck. I felt stuck. And we don't like as human beings feeling stuck. And so I realized, oh my gosh, what a wonderful opportunity this is, is to take kids who obviously have this mindset that's greater than me. I'm saying, if you can be that stuck and smile like that kid did, He's not stuck. You know, you're more stuck than he is. He overcame, he, he was able to overcome it because he was forced with the ability to make a decision if he wants to feel stuck or not. And we all in life, especially with the high dep- the depression rate in the US, are feeling very, very stuck and we don't, um, we don't confront it. So, you know, October 18th, we're taking 10 kids with a bunch of volunteers, you know, from the community here. In Florida, hopefully, we'll, we'll be able to, to grow it into being bigger. But it really is a wonderful opportunity to force people to focus on themselves and see that they have to take charge of their life because, obviously, obstacle course racing, not blindfolded or with physical challenges, is a very uplifting experience where you're like, oh, my gosh, I can get over this 10-foot wall. I never thought I could. You know, it really is wonderful. So that's what this program is really all about is, is – you know, here you are thinking you're helping these kids. Oh, here I am on TV. I don't know if anyone, if the podcast, <laughs> you know, like, you know, my haunty you know, thing, oh, going on TV. And I'm going to help these kids get through a race because I, you know, they need my help and vice versa. You know, they're the, he's the one, they're the ones, but you know, his experience changed my life. So that's what, that's what it's really about because we love helping, you know, people. And I do say that I'll go on a, a, a separate little rant is that happiness is the most selfish thing on the planet. And that's a dramatic thing to say, but it's, and it's a nasty word that people perceive it as, but happiness is really Victor Frankl is a Jewish, um, who was a Holocaust survivor, who was a psychologist, created logotherapy. And he said, it's a book, man's search for meaning. You have to have meaning in your life. And the best way to have meaning in your life is to impact others. And, you know, help other and to impact others is usually helping others. So if you can help others, you're going to feel happy. It's very simple. 
it's very, you know, it's just, it's not that complicated to be happy. If you have a mission to help others, you're going to be happy. It's the most selfish thing. It's a good selfishness, but it's true. I just listened to a 10% podcast, 10% happier podcast. Yeah. Where, where they, where uh, the last episode, they were discussing that uh, just recently. I, I had had the thought two days ago and then I heard it today. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's so true. <laughs> you know, it just reinforced the, the drive to help others. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, um, it's a conversation. I, I talked to a friend and colleague of mine weekly and kind of our mindset check-in, but um, part of something with him is about a year ago, he kind of like, he was going through this shift of just like, like, I'm not going to be, you know, so, so many people go through this, like, I'm not going to be happy until I have X, Y, and Z. And it's, and then it's like, he, you know, he had that realization that it's like, well, once you get X, Y, and Z, like what next? Like you never really achieve that happiness point. And, and so it kind of came down to, and I got in this plaque um, because we started talking about it, that happiness is a choice and you get to right. create it for yourself and decide what you want to do to be happy and how you want that happiness. And so it's, it's I don't know, happiness is just a really interesting concept, I think. It's so interesting because in a world where there's so many variables and it's so unpredictable, you have the ultimate key to be able to be in control and choose to be happy. You have that choice. It's such a fast, you know, it's such a, it's such a fascinating thing. I had another point that I'm blanking on right now, but you know, the, the concept is, is that you feel out of, you know, the world is out of control and, and you're the one. If you want to be happy, you have to do the work to be happy. Yeah, I don't know what the other thought was, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I was going somewhere and I lost it, but, you know, it's it's wonderful that you guys discussed it and talked about it and, you know, that, yeah. I'm curious, switching gears again, going to more of the, the athlete and the com- competitive side of things. Saturdays are Sabbath. Obviously, a lot of races happen on Saturdays. How much... I guess how many, how often do you get comments or questions from people or I'm not sure the word I want to use right now. I'm blanking on the, on the word I want, but almost like a dissatisfaction that you're not racing on, on Saturdays. So one of my coaches, um, why did I say one of my coaches? It was one coach. (laughs) (laughs) I usually push myself. I don't really have uh, coaches. But I needed to get better and I needed to get faster and I didn't really know how to. So I got a, um, a sprint coach that went to the Olympics. And so we were discussing and he's like, I'm like, yes, yeah, Spartan championships, you know, on Saturday. And you, or then he moved it to Sunday. But to qualify was you had to, you know, was only Saturday options and I couldn't do it. And he said, well, just just ignore it. He said, he said, you know, he said, I said, what do you mean? He's like, well it's your goal, right? So like, this is your, your goal. So, you know, got to look the other way. And I was like, that tells me a lot about your relationship with, <laughs> with, with your spiritual side, because that's not in at least my head, how a relationship with God works, <laughs> you know, he told, he gives you the, 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 the rules, the, the way of living and the values and, and you're supposed to stick to them, you know, because that's what you believe in. That's what belief is. So, you know, from, from that aspect, you know, it's so interesting on my podcast, I had, you know, the, 
the, there's not that many of them, but the top of female Orthodox Jewish athletes, female Orthodox Jewish athletes. Yeah. Pro athletes. And all three of them, there's only, there wasn't really only, there's a lot of women that do physical stuff, but there's, you know, these three women are, you know, have, have accomplished great things and all three of them had to give up their dream. You know, uh, SD Ackerman was, you know, going, uh, was in the Olympic trials and, you know, can only, there's three days of Olympic trials. One of the days was on Saturday. So she didn't compete on Saturday, obviously putting herself at a huge disadvantage, you know, giving up a full day of competition to get points or however that works. Uh, B. Deutsch is this marathon woman, you know, shake the, the shake doll and the skirt, you know, the cap and everything. And she, uh, you know, they moved the uh, Olympic date to Saturday. It was supposed to be on Friday. Another woman was a pro uh, lifter. She was going to go break a record. They said she can't, you know, because of uh, it's called sneeze, you know, modesty. You have to wear a certain thing and you can't wear a skirt. And so she, and all three of them were talking about it. And, you know, it wasn't even a question in their mind to give up their ultimate dream. This is literally, they're putting in sweat and tears and, you know, and it just was, it was just like a regular reaction. Same to me also. It's not even a question. And so it's not that hard of a decision. Most of what my, what my coach was saying was, you know, no, this is your everything. And so it's a wonderful thing to have. And I'm so blessed by it to live by a certain set of values. You know, obviously my, I, I, I'm respectful of everyone's beliefs. And so my beliefs obviously is very godly and very spiritual. And so I'm very blessed to have values in that connection with God that, not in a weird way, in <laughs> God that, that, you know, uh, it comes naturally, it comes easy. You know, I, I, I'll explain religion like this. I'll explain it like this. I think this is a cool point. I was in class and we were having a huge debate. It was actually cre pretty crazy. Um, but they showed a video, uh, it was like, it was religion and psychology, something like that, you know, and we watched a video about Orthodox Judaism, Judaism, Orthodoxy and whatever. And, you know, there's 25 people there. And one of the uh, girls raises her hand and turns right to me and says, I don't feel like you have any choice, any uh, choice. She, oh, I feel like you're, you're, you have no free will. I, I, feel, I feel like you can't decide or be free. You know, you, you're not, you're stuck. You know, you're, uh, you know, you're not, uh, you don't, you can't be yourself. However she phrased it. And I meet, it just, it kicked into gear because it made so much sense how people think of free will, freedom and this and that, whatever. I said, listen, what happens when you see a stop sign? And she's like, I stop. I said, yeah, but, but you, it's, you, it's your life, right? You, if you have an urge to go past that stop sign, you should be allowed to go full throttle through the stop sign. It's your passion. It's what you feel. Your freedom, freedom, you know? <laughs> and I said, you know, what would happen? She said, well, well, you know, no, I can't do that because then, you know, I would crash into somebody or I'd get a ticket. I said, oh, but there's a set of rules to protect you to not go into the street and hurt yourself. And so that's really what, at least for me and my experience in Judaism religion, not, you know, bagging or whatever, but just to give the perspective of 
that's you know you can you can be rule you know there's there's society you're not you you or your worst enemy i can be as free as i want you know in judaism in any religion wherever you are in life you you put that on yourself so here she is saying that i don't have any free will but his society you know it's it's the same thing as living in a society and such so it does not it's not that hard for me to say I'm not going to compete on Shabbos for Spartan race, even though that's my ultimate dream, you know, an elite. And they, uh, and, and so that's the same reaction as not going through a stop sign because they're there to protect me and give me the values that I'm so grateful to have. Yeah. That was a really long answer to your question. No, it makes a lot of sense though. When you, when you put it as far as like just the societal laws that we have, um, it makes a lot of sense. Right. And, and again, you have to be able to still live in those. You have to find your own identity. We don't, we don't want to be robots. And we do. A lot of us do, you know, and, and a lot of us just live the same norm. And, you know, we're very creatures of habit. And so it is a good message. Take away religion in this, the laws of society to not get bogged down by what we think is normal you know, to obviously we have to live in those confines and wonderful and such a wonderful country to live in. Be grateful for that, by the way, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, and thrive in it and, and, and work it and find your, your, your voice in it. Don't, don't get blinded by the rules that make you think or be a certain way. And we're yeah. seeing that in our country today. Wonderfully, you know? Yeah. And yeah. when you talk about, you know, being a robot, like my mind automatically just goes to the people working what essentially should be a nine to five job, but ends up being, you know, like a 5 a.m. to 10 p.m. job. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Those people now, right? who put in those like constant hours and they literally like go to work for the paycheck, come home, do their family thing and do and go back to bed and start over again. And so many people, even though they claim they have quote-unquote free will it's like they're stuck in this robot life of no time freedom or no freedom that they're giving themselves whatsoever so it's really interesting yeah i I, again i am i the one who has the answer no i mean there are people that feel good in that and if you feel good in that environment fantastic you know or but i think i think the connotation is a lot of people um Fortunately, yeah, unfortunately, you have to go into that lifestyle. Um, however, you can be free in that context. You can, you know, make meaning in life uh, in that context. You know, take it to, to, to working out. I don't know how I'm about to tie this in, but, <laughs> you know, you can, you, you can, actually, it's a, good, it's a good parable. If you're, no, actually, I'm thinking about it now. If you're working out, right? It's the same movement over and over every day, essentially. I mean, right. I'm sure your job is a lot also is you've talked about it, trying to empower and see it a different way and be more positive about it. A lot of people work out because it's healthy for you. You have to do it. It's this and that. So they do the same workouts every day, every day. You can do the same workouts every day and yet be excited every time. 
it could, it's the same movement. You can maybe do something a little different if you have to or whatever, but the, the, you, you can have the power to enjoy your workout if you want to, even if it's the same workout. It's how you, it's, it's how you perceive it. Uh, you know, I'm working out every day because I have to and, I'm, and that's what life is about. And I, you know, you have to be healthy and whatever. Or, oh my gosh, I'm working out every day so that way I can feel good. And if I feel good, I'll go ha- help other people and be empowered. And feeling good is such a wonderful thing. And, you know, I'll, I'll working out, working for my race. And we're going to get there. And it's such a cool journey. I just remembered from before what I wanted to say. <laughs> It's a, and, 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 and I don't know if we're ending or not, but this is a fantastic point. And, and we all, easier said than done, we all talk a lot, myself included. <laughs> <laughs> and I always like to make fun of that. And, you know, we always say these things and we always you say them. And then when we're faced with them, we suck. We do. We do. We always, you know, everyone with Instagram, the beautiful messages and this and that, and so inspired and this and that. And, and yet then they're upset and happy and they'll text you and this and that, you know, it didn't work or whatever, you know, they lose, they forget. And so I felt it. I saw it. I was supposed to be on Israel Ninja Warrior um, this year. I went over there to compete and got on. And so I was going to go be on the show in Israel Ninja Warrior. And I, you know, we went into COVID and I figured it was, you know, we were all going to open up very soon again. I'll be able to go over and I trained my guts out, you know, back breaking, you know, actually quite literally where I was so tired one day. I was so, so sore and in pain where I didn't want to get up out of bed where I actually rolled. And then I pulled my back, (laughs) you know, and then I can't get it. You know, all countries are closed. And so I can't get in the country. I was supposed to be, I was supposed to be leaving like in two days or next week you know, to quarantine over there and then you go there, but I can't get in the country, so I can't be in it. And so when they told me, we're going to push you to next year, which was very nice of them, and hopefully that happens, um, I was super disappointed. And a couple of seconds later, I said, how interesting, you know, that, oh, no, it's, it's about the journey. It's not about the destination. And yet, I'm so upset, you know, about the dead. And I realized very quickly that we are so much, we're so much talk. People, if they were in my shoes, I've had from my friends were like, oh, don't worry, it's okay. And I was like, yeah, I know it's okay, it's fine. <laughs> like, you know, like that wasn't, that wasn't the goal. The goal was the working out. Look what I learned. I can put myself into that shape that quick. And all the lessons and whatnot, it was a cool experience. Obviously, we wanted it to end with me winning the show, but it's not about the destination. It's about the journey because my bigger opportunity will come where I need that and those skills and whatnot. And so that's where I really wanted to hit home is that you have, like, until you feel it, until you do something like that, you know, where we get so down on ourselves and we get so depressed and so sad that we're not getting that promotion, we're not getting the love from that person or whatnot, it, it's about the hard work and it's not specifically, you have to do your part and if everything works out, fine. You want to add God. If God makes it happen, that's great, you know, fine. But you have to be the one to work and you have to focus, realize that it's about the journey, not the destination and just don't say that. And when you don't get to the destination, don't be upset because it's about, it is about the journey. I think that's a beautiful spot to end this on. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> 
So on that note, Michael, if people want to follow your journey or reach out to you, ask questions, where can they find you? So the Jewish athlete on Instagram, which is hysterical because obviously there aren't a lot of Jewish athletes to the point where um, that handle was open about two months ago. Like there's a bunch, the Jewish ash, the athlete, the Jew athlete, the Jewish, you know, Jew, Jewish athlete, like all of them are open. It was really funny. Um, <laughs> and so the Jewish athlete on Instagram, uh, Jewish inspiration foundation on Facebook and uh, more importantly, jifoundation.org. If nothing else to then go on to the stories of our kids that are up there and to like and comment, not, in anything just basically just send the motivation <laughs> not for me you know it's just, it's it's go on and, and be inspired by their journeys it's pretty they're pretty amazing human beings you know so that's it <laughs> awesome well michael thank you so much for your time today really appreciate you, you sharing this time and your story with us thank you so much for the opportunity to to share the the little with the not i wouldn't even call it wisdom the the spewing talk and and ranting that i did <laughs> thank you for the uh, the opportunity to at least try to inspire one person uh, absolutely so i really hope you enjoyed that episode today before i close out i want to talk to you about my eight week return to running program if you've been off running for a period of time just because life's gone the best of you or maybe you've been injured and had to take some time off Returning to running properly is key. Meaning don't ramp up too fast, too soon, or you're just setting yourself up for injury or perhaps re-injury. That's why I created this eight week return to running program. It ramps you up properly and safely so you can minimize that risk of injury as you return to running. So head over to getyourfixpt.com courses to check out my eight week return to running program, as well as all of my other online programs. Thank you again for tuning in today. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional.